What's up, everyone? It's Lee McKinney. I'm here for a new reason today. It's not the Infinite Mind Podcast. What it is today is a new series, podcast, show, whatever you want to call it. But I'm calling it The Art of the Breakdown. This is episode one. All right, why is it called The Art of the Breakdown? Well, what it's going to be is an MMA show. So I'll talk about upcoming fights. I'll break down upcoming fights. We'll talk about how the fight could play out. We'll talk about what happens if the first fighter wins or loses. Where do they go from there? And the same with the, the fighter across the octagon. Um, and I say octagon, it might not be UFC. It could be Bellator. It could be anything. Let's, I'll make that clear. It's just a, it's an MMA show. I'll be breaking down the fights before they happen. I'll be breaking down the fights after they happen. And uh, you know why breakdown? Well, because of my day job in Born of Osiris, I play a ton of breakdowns. So that's my cheesy wordplay. Uh, shout out to my Twitter followers because I asked last night during the fights, what would I call an MMA show? Maybe use a little alliteration. Let's use maybe some song titles. What do you got for me? And breakdowns stuck out. So shout out to them uh, because they are partly responsible for the title of this show. All right. Well, I'm not going to do this every time, but today I want to start. I'll give you a quick history of my life in martial arts, why my opinion matters, even though it doesn't. And uh, yeah, this will kind of give you a breakdown of Breakdown. A breakdown of, you know, my history, why I'm talking about this, where my interest came from, okay? Uh, I started in judo, uh, obviously a white belt, um, went up a few belts, I competed for a couple years. I was so young that I barely remember any of it. Uh, I remember, you know, one or two competitions that I competed in. I remember overall for the young age, you know, I was, I was kind of just terrified of the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the whole concept of competing and, and a a more aggressive, you know, scenario outside of like a football or a baseball, you know, situation. So yeah, as I, as I said, I don't remember much of it. Uh, basic fundamentals. I think there's like a couple of things I'll do now when I'm training jujitsu. I'm like, where did I get that? I kind of know I, I'll have habits or tendencies that were kind of instilled at me at a young age from judo. And what I'll say next, um, wrestling. So fast forward to middle school, my uncle Scott was the wrestling coach. Um, so I was practicing with him and my cousins in and out of school you know, I'd hang out with my cousins as we all did, you know, when we were younger and we'd wrestle in the living room and he would give us pointers. We'd wrestle together in school. Again, very young age, middle school. I don't consider myself a great wrestler based on my, you know, limited experience, you know, by any means. That being said, I do think I learned a few lessons again, you know, that I still kind of carry with me a few tendencies that I'll find myself doing, whether it's, you know, my top game in jujitsu, which is, as I'll get into my main thing these days, I'm very thankful for those little lessons I learned younger uh, when I was younger in judo and, and wrestling because I do feel that while I don't necessarily you know say I can remember a ton of it I can just feel just my, my body making the move that I wasn't taught to make but I can just feel that like you know I learned you know at a young age so um, but you know so then in high school I was doing mostly music I ended up with a record contract my senior year as most of you know I've been touring with my band Born of Osiris since then um, so that was about 13 years ago. However, um, five years ago, when I moved to Texas, I got back into it all uh, more than ever. Uh, I started with Muay Thai under a former champion named Saxon Janjira. I spent a little over a year at his school. Uh, overall, the culture wasn't really my style. I'm not saying anything negative. Great guy. I learned some, some great shit there that I still carry with me again today in, in my current gym. Um, I'm thankful, though, that, you know, for whatever reason, I left that gym, the culture, as I say, and now I ended up where I am now. So 
It brought me to my team now, my home that I'll never leave. Uh, it's called Next Generation MMA. So that's where I'm currently at. That's where I'll be, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, Next Generation is owned and ran by MMA Hall of Famer Chris Brennan. He's a former UFC title contender, Pride Bushido champion. He's a three-time Nogi Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Uh, he's also the father to Tyler and Lucas Brennan. Tyler is an eight-time jiu-jitsu world champion. He's a two-time Texas state wrestling champion. And Lucas, who I started my jiu-jitsu journey with, an intro to jiu-jitsu um, with, uh, at Next Generation, started with him. He's a two-time jiu-jitsu world champion and is currently undefeated as a Bellator MMA fighter. He holds a record of 6-0. So as you can tell, I'm in uh, elite company at next generation i'm very thankful there's there's locations around the world but i just happen to live you know within you know four miles of uh the headquarters um, in frisco texas so just so lucky to be able to train with them there's you know i, I just you know mentioned some accolades of the brennan family but you got to imagine the black belts we have the brown belts you know beat black belts from other schools you know when i say i'm this belt i say a Chris Brennan belt because I feel like it means more here. Call me biased. I'm sure a lot of people are at their school, but it is what it is. And I'm very proud, you know, to train there. Um, so today, uh, these days I spend the bulk of my time in Nogi Jiu-Jitsu. You know, if I, if I train four days a week, it's mostly going to be Jiu-Jitsu. Um, however, you know, sometimes I'll do a week where once or twice I'll do Muay Thai again. Back dabbling in Muay Thai with, with Jason House, who's also you're under the Next Generation banner and is an absolutely um, incredible teacher as well. Uh, I, I remember I just wanted to get competent enough in jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, get to blue belt, I think, was my first original goal. Once I got to blue belt, then I would start talking about Muay Thai again, and that is what I did. All right, so... That, that's my history with uh, with martial arts. Um, very thankful for it. I think I, at least, you know, five years ago when I got back into it, it was a time where anxiety was kind of killing me. And, um, you know, f one of a f you know, few reasons I've been able to conquer that is, is, is martial arts and particularly next generation MMA. So I'm thankful. I always tell people, and we're going to go down this path in this show too often, but I'll say it now. You know, if you're struggling with, physical or mental health in any kind of way like uh, martial arts is, is the key to this I, you know get your kids in it you know as Jocko said on his podcast or you know his Instagram or something the other day it's not just uh, so they don't get bullied you know get your kids into it because they don't bully you know I feel like the 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 better you get in martial arts the less you even think about fighting people you're so confident in yourself um, and and as far as, you know, the anxiety thing that I mentioned goes, I always say this as well. If you can walk through those doors and do what you do between those walls and you walk out of there, A, you're feeling amazing, but B, you're not going to worry about shit the rest of the day. You're going to feel so good. You're going to feel unstoppable when you when you leave, you know, MMA gym. At least that's how I feel. Um, and it's helped me tackle all kinds of, you know, anxiety and, um, you know, when I need to get in shape or just, you know, when I'm not training, I miss it. So we'll leave it at that. All right. So that that's my history. We're not going to do that every time. But for the first episode, that's what it is. All right. Let's get into it. UFC 254 Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. I did not catch the prelims. Um, unfortunately, they were a bit early. I was taking care of some stuff in the morning. 
but I was there for to see all the pay-per-view. And it was a ride. It was great. First fight was Magomed Ankalaev versus Ayan Kutilaba. Uh, this was the second fight, I believe. They, the first one, I think, was controversial. If I recall, uh, Kutilaba was, got hit. I think he was maybe playing possum. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was rocked. He was kind of like, looked a little wobbly on his feet. Ref stopped the fight, and instantly he snapped out of it. It was like, and, and you could tell right then and there, he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm fine. He was clear as day. He really was. So, you know, I don't know how exactly it happened. Excuse me. Was he, was he rocked and snapped to it at the perfect time? Or was he playing possum? We don't know. However, very controversial stoppage. So this is the next, uh, you know, round two. All right. Uncle Live takes this one in the first round via TKO. Four minutes, 19 seconds into the first round. Uh, Magomed's game plan from the little we saw seemed to be to play the counterpunching game. He was really waiting for Ion to come in. Uh, when, he con- uh, when he came in, he continued to just counter with bigger and heavier shots um, in most of the exchanges. I believe it was a counter left hook to the jaw that put um, an already rocked Kudelaba on the ground. I think he hit him once with something. It was weird. He kind of did a 180 and kind of went to the ground. And when, when Ion got back up, I think it was a, a, a counter left hook that put him down on the ground. Uh, I think he could have called the fight when it hit the ground. No, I'm not already getting into a controversial stoppage at all. You got to let him fight. He was looked pretty out when he hit the ground. Um, you know, and then uh, Ankalaev just completed the fight with some extremely vicious ground and pound, which put him, uh, Ion, Ion Kutilaba, completely out. Uh, it was a incredible, incredible fight. Um, very entertaining. A great way to start the card. Uh, for me, I'd like to see Magomed Ankalaev, who is currently ranked at number 11 before this win, move up. I want to see him fight some uh, someone like a Johnny Walker at number 9. Uh, here's another interesting one. At number 7, you have Anthony Smith uh, at rank number 7. Uh, he's fallen on some hard times. He's coming off, I think, a couple of losses, if I'm not mistaken. And um, that's a big name for Ankalaev, who's kind of been stuck in this Ion Kutilaba thing for a while because of the controversial stoppage they had to run it back but meanwhile you know uncle live's a beast he's ready to move up and ready to move forward in the rankings and, and if he needs a big name let's talk uh, anthony smith uh same with johnny walker big name too who's ranked number nine that might be better very entertaining fight there um you know we got uh, number seven anthony smith is he ready for that i don't know but let's talk this assuming anthony smith shows up to fight you know i think the last couple of fights i've seen him uh, it seems like he's a little hesitant it just seems like since the, I want to say since the John Jones fight, you know, something might be missing. I don't know what that is. Hope he gets it back. I, I like the guy. Uh, very entertaining fighter. Very skilled fighter. Um, but yeah, it seems that uh, now that Uncle Live is able to look past that match with Ion and get that chapter of his MMA career behind him, he has a bright future and is seemingly on the rise. So I'm excited to see him fight again. Uh, second on the card was Lauren Murphy versus Lilia. Shakirova. Not good at these names all the time, especially because I've never seen much of Shakirova before, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but uh, Lauren Murphy takes this one via rear naked choke in round two. Listen, this fight was supposed to be Lauren Murphy ranked at number five versus Cynthia Calvillo ranked at number four. Um, the fight made a lot of sense, however. Calvillo tested positive for COVID. What a year, huh? Um, so in comes Lilia Shakirova with a record of eight and one making her UFC debut. This is why I said uh, I didn't know who she was. Um, so, you know, 
making your UFC debut at Lauren Murphy at number five is an extremely tall task for anyone. UFC, you know, walking into the UFC octagon has to be a tall task, even if you're an extremely competent fighter. Um, I just imagine you're on the big stage for the first time. And to come in on the big stage and take on number five, that's that's a tall task, right? So uh, I think she came in at plus 250 or something like that. She got into round two before taking the loss via submission. Rear naked choke, if I do recall. Um, and I also think that was Lauren Murphy's first submission win. Um, but that being said, Shaki Rova did Dana a favor by taking this fight on a short notice when um, Kelvia you know, had to had to bow out with COVID. So I don't think it's the only fight we'll see her in in the UFC. I do know that, you know, Dana kind of likes to, if someone does a favor for him, he likes to give him back. I think, you know, Dana's kind of a controversial figure in, in the MMA world. But from what I've seen, you do him a favor, scratch his back, he will scratch your back. So hopefully Shaki Rova, you know, can come back, get a uh, a fight with a full camp, hopefully an opponent that fits her ranking better or lack of, uh, if you will. And then as far as Lauren Murphy, I'd like to see her get a shot again versus Cynthia Calvillo. Since Calvillo does hold ranking above her, I think she's number four. Um, I understand if coming off a win on a big pay-per-view like this, they want to give her, you know, a Jennifer Mayan or a Maya or a, a Caitlin Chukagan. Sorry. Uh, but I think Maya's getting a title shot. So, you know, maybe it's Caitlin Chukagan. Um, and we will see. You know, there's a lot of question marks. Lauren Murphy's calling for a title shot. Personally, at number five, getting a win over an unranked fighter doesn't do it for me. But uh, she's a badass fighter nonetheless. So we'll see what happens with that. The third fight on the card was Jacob Malkoon versus Philip Hawes. This one was very short, very sweet. This made it 19 seconds before Dawes overwhelmed Malkoon against the fence with strikes and made short work of Malkoon. It was exciting. But, you know, I'm not sure you saw enough of Hawes to say he's going to shoot up, you know, the rankings real quick. But for UFC debut, this couldn't have gone better. Um, he's coming off the Contender Series, you know, with an explosive win like this on a pay-per-view. I imagine he's going to have some hype behind his name. You know, so what's the next move for his, you know, his first official fight in the UFC? You want to toss him a test at the rankings. You could toss him an Ian Heinish. You could toss him a Marvin Vittori. Um, and let's see what he's made of. But, you know, I know that, you know, they might even toss him another someone outside of the top 15. Who knows? But uh, that's what I'd like to see. You want to give him a test, give him Heinish or Vittori. All right. Getting into the big boys here. Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Volkov gets a win in round two at 116 via TKO. This was expected to be a stand-up affair, and it was. Uh, Alexander looking to be the more technical striker, as in most cases in this division he will be against the explosive striker in Harris. Uh, I figured Walt Harris was going to want to work some takedowns, which I believe he has in his arsenal, if I recall correctly. But um, but he didn't. He chose not to take that route and strike with Volkov instead. It's a dangerous decision to make. He took a, a front kick to the body and dropped in round two. Volkov followed up with some strikes, but it was over the second Harris took that kick to the stomach. For a second, it looked like a groin strike. I think the angle on the TV... The first time you see it, and the in the way he just winced in pain, that he like cried out in pain. Um, it really looked like a groin strike for me. However, um, when when on replay, it wasn't even close to a groin strike. Uh, it was a gorgeous kick to the upper stomach of Harris. He was visually in pain. It was done immediately. 
Um, so after the fight, Volkov called out Dos Santos, Overeem, and Rosenstrike, I believe. Uh, he was slightly hard to understand, I'll admit. Um, and he also seemed to forget Rosenstrike's name. So that's why I say I'm not positive those are the names he called out. But I, I believe I'm not mistaken here. Um, and he's yet to fight any of those guys. So I'm on board for that. Because, uh, you know, you know, on this win, he should move up. However, he also has a loss against Curtis Blades. And that is right above him in the rankings. But that is such a god-awful match for Volkov that I don't see him wanting that again. Blades is such an elite wrestler. And Volkov is obviously the striker. I don't see him having better luck against Blades on a, on a rematch. Or ever, to be honest. Um, and as far as Blades goes, there's no real value. It's only risk to, to go on Volkov again in case he does get clipped you know, with a strike. And then he loses all that Curtis Blades has worked for, which in my mind is a title shot. But as we all know, the in the heavyweight division, it's kind of a mess up top, and it has been for a while. We'll see how that clears up now that Cormier is retired. See if you know Stipe takes on a. Is he going to take on um, John Jones, which would also kind of make a mess, you know, if, if Jones moves up. Um, yeah. It, it could very well, you know, become a, a mess again because I think Nganu is deserving of this title shot um, versus Stipe. I think Blades is deserving of a title shot versus Stipe. But then you have a name like John Jones who wants to come up. And, uh, you know, when you have a guy like that, you know, you it's sometimes it happens where they just skip the line. Uh, but, hey, you want to put Jones against uh, Nganu? I'll watch that all day. Put Jones against any of these heavyweights. It's really exciting. I think I'm not the only one. I think I'm, uh, you know, in the majority of the MMA fan base that thinks it's time for uh, Jones to move up and, and just thinks there's a lot of fights up there. So, very excited. Now, co-main event was insane. This is Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier. The first round was very close, very competitive. I think the story around one for me was Cannoneer and his leg kicks. The first one he threw immediately knocked Whitaker off his feet. So we're thinking if this if these continue to come all night, it's going to be a huge problem for Whitaker. And he sent plenty more of those kicks over to Robert Whitaker for the rest of the round. But uh, Whitaker started looking confident, um, and a lot of people, including me, I would say Whitaker did take round one. However, the damage he took to that leg was more concerning to me than getting the you know that round. So, starting round two, the leg is beat red, but again, Whitaker is starting to get more and more comfortable. So, my concern about that leg faded um, when he started just leading with this beautiful jab. He starts throwing straight rights behind the jab. He starts working a ton of things off this jab. Um, beautiful round. Uh, some people say Cannoneer takes two. Some people say Whitaker. I agreed with the tweets on the screen. So, you know, I thought it was maybe potentially 2018 you know, in favor of Whitaker going into round three, uh, a minute into round three. So there was this combo that, you know, Robert Whitaker had been teasing throughout the fight. It, throughout all of his fights, he does it. It's, I, I might be wrong, but it's like a, a one, two with a big kind of a looping. It's not even the cleanest looking kick you ever see, but it's a right kick up top. Um, yeah, some sort of one, two combo followed by a right kick. Um, and Jared goes down. So it looks like the fight's over at this point. He's face down against the, the fence. And Whitaker's throwing, uh, you know, tons of ground and pound. But Cannonier composed himself enough to stay in. Uh, a minute later, Cannonier rocks Whitaker. But the problem is, there's only 30 seconds left in the fight. 
So uh, fortunately for Whitaker, he was able to get him up against the fence. Extremely high fight IQ that we all know Whitaker has. Um, and so pushes him up against the fence for the last 30 seconds. He's basically out of danger at that point. So incredible, incredible fight. Uh, in the, after three rounds, the fight goes to Robert Whitaker via unanimous decision. It lived up to all the hype it had going in. It was absolutely bananas. For me, I'd like to see Whitaker get another title shot at uh, Israel Adesanya. He looks so much better than he did in his fight against Izzy. He looks so much better than he did in his fight against Darren Till. Uh, the only other option I see is Apollo Costa. But with Costa coming off a loss to the champ and Whitaker coming off a win and being ranked at number one, a second fight with the champ is is really all I see. And Israel's a pretty fair champion. And I think that he'll probably see that as well. Um, so I'm thinking Izzy Whitaker too. And here's what I'd like to see underneath that. Let's get Costa coming off a loss against Izzy against Cannoneer coming off a loss against um, Robert Whitaker. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm seeing. And then uh, put them together, put the winners of those together and We'll see what happens. You know, it's it gets when you only have four fighters and they've kind of fought each other, it gets messy. But I'm just saying I want to see Costa and Cannoneer, and I think uh, Whitaker deserves Izzy once again. All right, main event time. Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. I was so excited for this fight. I was eating up every bit of, you know, social media content that was coming out on YouTube, watching all the podcasts, doing it all. I was eating this thing alive, you know, Basically, the thought that Khabib is going to go against someone who does have elite All-American wrestling in Justin Gaethje. Um, I just I thought this was going to be a bloodbath, you know, beginning to end. I thought we were going to see Khabib potentially bleeding for the first time. We've never really seen that. He's only lost one round against Connor. I was just I'm just was counting the minutes up to this fight. Uh, my heart was pounding when it started. I, I get so pumped on these fights. You know, my hands are tense. My heart's pounding anyways. First round is extremely high pace. Tons of striking, actually. Um, Gaethje swinging for the bleachers, similar to how he started the Ferguson fight, which made me worry that he was going to gas himself out. However, in a Ferguson fight, he did not gas himself out. Uh, this one, he was kind of gasping for air at the end of round one. You can't imagine if this would have gone five rounds. But uh, I would say, you know, you got Gaethje swinging for the bleachers. Khabib had much more controlled striking. Um, Khabib did get his takedown, but it was in the last 30 seconds. Um, started working a submission. I think he was working towards an arm bar, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but ultimately, he didn't have enough time on the ground to do much work. So second round, Khabib gets Gaethje down quickly. And then he just went to work where he is an absolute master. Um, it looked like he was going to do a triangle from uh, Mount or something. And then I think he switched. I, for a second, then I thought he was going to go to Kimura, if I remember. And then he ended up laying on his back. Uh, finishing via triangle. As a matter of fact, the ref, the ref didn't even see Gaethje tapping. I think he went unconscious, but uh, he's fine. You know, just just choked unconscious a little bit. Uh, ultimately, he's okay. It's an extremely emotional win for Khabib, as you might know. He just lost his father in the lead up to his fight, who was his his coach, his mentor. Um, just losing a father in general, I can't even imagine. But then you consider this is your lifelong coach, and this is the pinnacle of your career. Um, insane. Um, you could tell. It could be just instantly laying in the center of the octagon, just bawling. And how can you blame the guy? Um, which led into a very shocking moment where he left his gloves in the center of the UFC cage and retired. 
basically says he promised his mother that without his father, it was his last fight. He said he's beat all the top contenders like Connor and Dustin. Had tons of praise for Justin. Tells him to love and appreciate his family because you never know when you'll lose them. Justin sends his love right back. To, uh, two total sportsmen. You, you know, you expect this out of both of them. They take their wins with uh, with grace and they take their losses, you know, with, with pride and respect. So it was a beautiful thing to see, you know, aside from Khabib just, you know, being extremely sad. He's been through so much. And then you got to imagine going through a fight camp where not only are you going through the loss of your father, but everyone at every interview you do all week leading up to a fight is asking you more about your father. I can't even imagine. So retires via, you know, he promises to his mother that he won't fight without his father again. Can't blame the guy. Um, listen, I, I truly thought we would get Khabib versus GSP for the 30-0, you know, sail away into the sunset retirement fight that uh, Khabib and his father had dreamed of. GSP, uh, I saw him on Helwani saying that's the fight he wanted. It's probably the only fight that would get him to the gym. Uh, sorry, he's at the gym. That's kind of who he is. But get him back, you know, ready to fight. Get him back in the cage. We'll say that. So GSP wanted it. Khabib wanted it. Excuse me. I would I would be inclined to say that if this was anyone else retiring, as we see also often in MMA, they don't always last. You know, they whether it's them getting out of the cage and was their purpose in life watching as a fan now and missing being in there missing the, the level of competition missing the attention maybe they need money i don't know but as we see all too often people don't necessarily retire when they say they do that being said uh khabib is a different animal his word is everything so i believe him when he says he's done uh but i will continue to dream about the 30 no khabib gsp fight for a while i imagine so now we have a vacant belt in the lightweight division. For me, I was like, oh, perfect. Now Gaethje, you know, can get his shot against Connor. So here, so here's, let me take a step back. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Khabib wins. He rides off into the sunset, gets his 30-0 and fight against GSP, and he's out. You know, whether he wins or not is up for debate. But the, the opportunity to, to get that, that fight. If Gaethje was going to win, then I'm saying now you're going to throw him Connor. And... Let's be real for a second. Connor's number four in the rankings. Whether you like it or not, whether Connor's won a fight in the last you know three or four years in the lightweight division, I don't think he has. Whether you like it or not, the UFC and Dana they want Connor as champion. If they if they're losing Khabib especially, um, Connor is just money. He's a pay per view you know superstar, as you know, and and that's what you want. So I'm thinking Khabib wins, they go GSP. I'm thinking Gaethje wins, they go Connor. And oddly enough, I think Khabib would beat Connor nine out of ten times, but I think Connor is a bad matchup for Gaethje, as we all know. Styles make fights, so I thought it would have gone Gaethje, Connor, you know, potentially. If it's the old Connor showing up, I think Connor would take that, because you know, Gaethje's just going to strike with him. I think we, I think we can agree on that. So, but right when the fight ended, I'm like, oh, cool, okay, well, Gaethje's gone. Or sorry. Nermagomedov's gone, so let's get Conor Gaethje. But it didn't even hit me. Gaethje just fought for a title and lost. So, you know, he might have to go back down. So, I think what's going to happen is, I believe January 23rd it is, if I'm not mistaken, is Conor and Dustin Poirier, too. I think that they'll make that for the vacant lightweight title. Um, 
Will it piss some people off? I'm sure it will because Connor's ranked at number four. And above them is Tony Ferguson, who, sorry if I'm confusing you here. Okay. The word on the street is Tony Ferguson is going to fight Chandler, who just came into the UFC um, and was the backup for Khabib Gaethje. So Ferguson's coming off a loss to Gaethje. Um, and the word is that he's going to fight Chandler. Okay. So you have that fight. Then you have Connor and Poirier fighting. I'm thinking, and I think this most people think this, is that they're going to just make that a title fight. The fight hasn't been announced yet, but it's been like signed from what I've heard. So we're thinking, why isn't they, why aren't they announcing the fight? Especially you got a pay-per-view like this. You can use that to advertise that Connor Poirier fight and get that thing pumping, like get some buys, get it going. And still, no word. So what I'm thinking is, this is why we've had no word. Um, whether Dana knew or not, he says he didn't know that Khabib was retiring. There's a reason it wasn't advertised at this pay-per-view, you know, and, you know, just doubling up on their advertisement. And uh, this could be it. So what I'm thinking is Connor and um, Poirier for the vacant belt. Then you'll have uh, uh, Ferguson, Chandler. Winner of that is a, you know, number one contender fight. Where does Gaethje fit in? I don't know. It's brutal because I think Gaethje was uh, kind of on the outskirts of this for a while. Uh, he was getting screwed, like trying to get his fights. Got Ferguson, took it complete advantage of that. Got his title shot. Unfortunate loss for him. Um, but, you know, I know one thing. With or without Khabib, it's an exciting time for the division. Um, it's time for a new, a new star to take over, a new champion to rise to the top. Will it be Connor? Will it be um, Poirier? Because Poirier is a better fighter now, too. Is, is Ferguson Chandler going to happen? Is there going to be a sidestep there somewhere? Really, nothing's been announced. You know, those fights are supposed to happen. But when, you, when the UFC doesn't put it up on their page and make it official, anything goes. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but what a, what a beautiful fight card. What a beautiful night of fights. Um, so, yeah, I want to leave with a question for you guys. We'll discuss it in the comments. I'll join you in the comments and kind of talk about it. Here's the question. Retiring at 29-0 and 0 is Khabib Nurmagomedov the greatest of all time. You look at, uh, you know, your George St. Pierre has losses on his record. You look at John Jones, he has a loss on his record, yes, but um, it was a disqualification due to elbows that should be legal. I think most people would, would agree. Let's see. Um, you got your Anderson Silva. Here's the thing. The, the case for Khabib pro being the GOAT is that he's never lost. He's lost one round in his entire career. No issues with PEDs. Um, cleaned out an entire division and left. As he said at the end of the fight, I've beat Connor. I've beat Gaethje. There's nothing left for me here, and it's true. All right? The con is this. In the era of the double champ, Khabib never moved up and fought for another title. When you have a GSP who has fought for multiple titles, um, also, you know, no PED use on on either Khabib or, or um, GSP. Here's a problem with John Jones. Let's say he's undefeated, right? Because that, that loss is a disqualification that shouldn't, have, shouldn't even be a rule in the first place. However, his record is tainted with uh, PED use, right? So I want to know what you think. Who's, who's the greatest of all time? Let me know in the comments. Uh, where does Khabib fall in the GOAT picture? I think, you know, we could probably argue that he's, or not argue, 
that uh, he's probably the greatest lightweight of all time. But where does he fall in the all-time rankings? Let me know. I hope you enjoyed this show. Um, thanks for watching. Feel free to let me know how we can improve this thing. You know, I don't have any logos or anything yet. You know, I just wrote this up yesterday. Uh, a few notes of, as I was watching the fight, what I thought, this and that. So let me know what you think. Thanks for stopping by and watching, and I'll see you on the next one.